So Psalm 37, uh, 40 verses. I'm going to go ahead and read the entire psalm. I love this psalm. There's so many things about it uh, that, that we could get into. But I want to speak on the subject of precepts of personal peace. Precepts of personal peace. Commands, directions from God that help us to find personal peace in the chaos of this life. So Psalm 37, beginning in verse number 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord, and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who uh, prospereth in his way, because of the man that bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Verse 10. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just, and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, and he, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. Verse 20. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume, into smoke shall they consume away. The wicked borroweth, and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy, and giveth. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they shall be cursed of him that shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil, and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment, and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. Verse 30. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I have seen the wicked in great power, and spreading himself like a green bay tree. 
uh, verse 36, Yet he he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together, the end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord, he is their strength in the time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. I like that verse, verse 37, it's not necessarily part of the sermon here but the end of that for the end talking about the perfect man the upright man the righteous man the man who follows God is peace seems like almost everybody I've talked to lately is having a hard time there's turmoil in our world Israel Gaza Iran Ukraine Russia there's turmoil in our nation inflation politics the Cowboys and Aggies football teams. There is turmoil in our hearts, stress, health concerns, fears, worries. Such is the brokenness of mankind that is part of or rooted in our sinful nature. Oh, I've never done this before, but I, I got it on my Bible app and I searched for all the verses in the Scripture that contain the words world and peace. World in peace. And this is very interesting. Two verses in all Scripture have the words word, world and peace. And, but they don't talk about world peace. They're both verses said by Christ in the book of John. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So it's peace in the midst of the troubles of this world. John 16:33. These things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I love it. Both those verses. World peace, well, it's not that God gives world peace. He gives us peace that the world cannot give. He didn't say he would remove all our problems so we can have peace. That will happen one day. But now He gives us peace in the midst of the storms of life. Yes, there is peace available for you and I through Christ. How do you find that peace? It's really not a secret. You write a book on it. Here's the secret to finding peace. God God tells us. This whole chapter, this whole psalm is about it. Finding peace comes from trusting and obeying and walking in the way of the Lord. That's the message, Psalm 37. It's a psalm about finding peace in the storms of life. got a number of observations we're going to make today, but a few quick statements about the the psalm itself. First, as I was reading through this psalm, it's a very practical expression of those foundational ideas back in Psalm 1 and 2, where we have the the righteous man and the the ungodly and the wicked and uh, their paths that are described we find these same two paths. We're talking about this in Sunday school that are before men. You have the way of righteous, trusting in God, blessed by His hand. Then you have the way of the wicked, trusting in self, but cursed by God's decree. In many ways, I think Psalm 37 may be the most practical display of that idea that's founded on Psalms 1 and 2 of about those two paths. Second, 
the psalm is written in the heart of battle. It's not stale, dry, scientific facts and figures and analysis. It's it lives and breathes with truth. This you can feel as David is writing this, his heart, his concern, his burdens, uh, his unease. Uh, you can just it, it lives and breathes with truth. It's very practical. Third, this psalm is constructed to be remembered. Now, this is something lost in translation. You can't really translate this. But this psalm is is built on an acrostic of the Hebrew letters. You know, like you do A for this, B for this, C for this. Well, that's what this is in Hebrew, if you look it up. And it's a very interesting thing. But this is actually built as a Hebrew acrostic. Why do you do that? So you can help remember it. This is something that should be put into our minds to remember, to uh, use in our life. Fourth is that this psalm is written to help us on our way. It addresses some of the common pitfalls we encounter. It's written for the discouraged believer to latch onto and escape those miry pits. There are eight great precepts in this psalm. Uh, I'm using that term from uh, Charles Spurgeon in uh, his uh, Treasury of David. He highlights these eight. All of them have a pair of related ideas. One of them I stretch a little bit to make a pair, but there's, there's, there's a pair of ideas with each of these eight. These precepts are commands from God, rules for us to obey, and if you will, they're the best practices for our life. By following these precepts, we will find and follow the way of the righteous. And on this narrow way, we will find peace for our hearts and our souls. We'll not be able to spend much time on these. We're going to kind of hurry, like I say, eight points. I know I've heard y'all groan uh, on that. But uh, we're, we're going to make it through these. I'm not going to spend very much time. Uh, but say, so, well, I'm just going to hit all these. Some of these say, well, I need that for today. Some of us, I don't need this. I guarantee you, there's a lot of this stuff. One day, you're going to need to remember these truths. They're very practical, very helpful. First thing I want us to see is in verse number one. This command... Don't fret or envy. If you want to make that positive, I would say it's ignore and be content. It says, fret not thyself because of evil doers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. The first precept is the root of the problem for the righteous. It's not that the wicked exist, but rather that we take our eyes off of God and we look around and see all this stuff around us and we see the supposed success of the wicked and become dissatisfied with the things of God. The precept here is simple. Take your eyes off the world and be content with God. I say it's simple. That's awful hard to do in practice. Sometimes it seems we cannot escape from the lights and allures of this world. You just have to remember, we're not of this world. I love the old song that says, This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. We're just here for a short time. Keep your eyes on Christ and shun the temptations of this world. Do not forget that the rewards of serving Christ are not always of this world, but one day they will be absolutely worth whatever trials, whatever temptations we face. We find peace when we focus on the God of peace. The second thing I want us to see is in verse 3. Trust and act. It says, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. 
I, lo- I like this pair here. It says, we're to trust in God's plan, His power, His provision, His purpose, His person. I could keep going. There's a lot of P's you can throw in on that one. I thought about this and thought about, you know, we, we could go outside right now. Now I could get the keys to my car. I don't have mommy. I, I usually take everything in my pocket before I get up here. It just bugs me. But uh, I, I could get the keys to my car. We'll go out there and I'd say, hey, here's my car. Do uh, you think this thing would be safe to drive home in? And uh, you'd say, well, yeah, it's, it's a nice Chevy Equinox. It's a you know, fairly new model. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that looks like a nice car. If, if it was my Suburban, you'd probably question the, the Suburban that I had. But, but you know, say, yeah, it looks good. I'll say, well, hey, let me open the door. Let me unlock it. Sit, sit down there. Do you, can you trust it? Oh, well, this is nice. And you pick up your Whataburger sacks. But uh, it, this, is, this is a nice car. And, uh, yeah, I, I feel confident this thing would, would get me there. But have you really trusted it until you turn on the engine, put it in gear, and take off down the road? Trusting in God means not just to stand on the rock of ages, but to trust that every step we take will land on solid ground because we are following God's leading. We trust and we put it into practice. We do. We find peace when we actively trust in the God who gives us peace. The third thing to see is delight and desire in verse number 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. The Hebrew word translated delight there is interesting. It has the idea of luxury or a delicacy to it. It's it's this is beyond contentment. This is treasuring. There's there's some things in my house I, I don't care. You come in and steal a roll of paper towels or something, you know, I don't care. I'll go get another one. But I've got some things I treasure. And if those were to disappear, photographs and you know, keepsakes, things like that, if you were to come in and take those things, my books, if you were to come in and take those things, boy, we'd have a problem, you know. That's the difference here. And I think this is talking about, these are, these are things very dear to us. We find that idea of delight is coupled with desire. By the way, Psalm 145, 19, He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. He will also, also will hear their cry and will save them. That's not wish fulfillment. But this is our heart in line with God's heart so that His grace, His mercy, His blessings can fill us. Why? Because we delight in Him. He is precious to us. And as He is precious to us, it aligns our heart and our desires with Him. And you get it all lined up and His blessings can pour into us. We find peace when we find our fulfillment in God. The fourth thing is commit and trust in verse number 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. The Hebrew word here, commit, is interesting. I usually don't get off into Hebrew, but there's some very interesting words. And with this being poetry, I think these have this meaning. We're supposed to kind of shape the imagination when we read these. So I'm highlighting these. But the word for commit there means to roll something, like you roll a boulder from one place to another. You can't really lift it. You just kind of roll it and push it from one place to another. Albert Barnes said in his commentary, the idea is that of rolling a heavy burden from ourselves on another 
are laying it upon him so that he may bear it. The burden which we have not got strength to bear, we may lay on God. So we have to commit our way. What is our way? That's our life. This is what we're supposed to roll over and put on God. I'm convinced that most of the burdens that we carry, we do so because we simply fail to pass those on to God. We simply fail to take our burdens and give them to the one who can carry them in His infinite strength. Note here as we talk about this, that this idea of committing is coupled with the idea of trusting in Him. We bear those burdens because we do not trust God to handle them. Now, I, I think it's a man thing, but uh, I thought I was one of the only ones, but I guess it's, it's, it's something to do with uh, male chromosomes or something. But when we get back from the grocery store, my goal is to take as few a trips as I possibly can bringing in groceries. My goal, and I will wrap those bags around every one of my fingers, I'll put stuff under my arms, I'll put them under my chin. If I can make it in one trip, I am going to do it. That is my goal. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll have all this stuff, and, and, and I'm trying to come in, and Becky or one of the kids will come out, you know, and they'll say, hey, you got a lot of stuff, let me have that. And what I want to do is say, I got it, I got it, I can handle this, I, I've got this, I, I may drop that Dr. Pepper, but I'm fine, we're, we're going to make this. I don't want them to help. I can handle it, right? But how often do we do that same thing with God? We've got all these burdens that we're carrying, and God says, I'll take some of that off you. No, God, no, no, I got this, I got this. Psalm 55, 22 Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. We find peace when we entrust our burdens to the one who never fails. Number five, rest and wait. Rest and wait. Psalm 37, verse 7. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. The word here for rest is interesting. There's a couple words used uh, for rest here. This one, and they're different uh, in this psalm. This one means literally to stop moving or stop talking. It's to stand still, if you will. But it's no movement, no talking. Too often... We like to either do things ourselves like we just talked about, or we like to tell God how to do it. But peace comes from trusting in Him, from standing still and silent before Him and letting Him move. Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. But not only do we stop what we're doing, quit trying to do it ourselves, quit trying to tell God how to do it, but we also wait, wait patiently for Him. This is trusting not only in God's power, but in His timing. We're waiting on Him to move. 
We're waiting on Him to act. Most of us would agree that God can do anything. That's part of our faith, part of our creed, if you will. God can do anything. We believe that. We just wish He'd hurry up and do it. We just don't like to wait on His timing. But when we have this, if you want peace in your life, this idea of surrender comes in. I stop. I'm not going to keep trying to do this. God, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm giving it to you, rolling that burden on you, and I'm just going to let you handle it. And if that's five minutes from now, if that's five, if that's five years from now, God, I'm trusting in you. It's yours to carry. We find peace when we stop and wait on the Lord. The sixth thing is in verse number eight. Cease and forsake. Cease and forsake. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. We say, well, who would we be angry at? We're, we're Christians. We don't get angry. Yes, we do. Well, there's two options here, I think. and it's uh, Either one, I think, is a perfectly fine interpretation of this. First off, you could, be, you could be angry at the wicked. That's how this whole psalm got started, is because we looked at the wicked and we saw how they're succeeding and doing well, and we're mad about it. We're mad at them. They shouldn't be, they shouldn't be, uh, be you know, having these supposed blessings. They shouldn't be succeeding. But if we're mad at the wicked, here's, here's something to think about. If we're mad at the wicked and we're wanting something bad happen on them, we're desiring that, this is to usurp God's authority to judge and punish, taking those duties on ourselves. We basically step in and say, God, I got this. You want to punish those guys? <laughs> I'm a guy. I can handle this. Romans 12, 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. We best remember that vengeance is not our job, and that God does a much better job of it anyway than whatever we could imagine. Second, we may be mad at the wicked, but we also could be mad at God. You been there? You ever been frustrated with God? Ever had a very loud conversation with God? I've been there. We are displeased with His actions, with His timing, with His commands. It's the opposite of trust and surrender. This is our selfish will lashing out at God. It's dangerous ground to walk on. And by the way, I think a lot of us are going to visit this place as just human nature. But this is not the place you want to live. It's a very dangerous place to be. You'll never grow. That bitterness in your heart will poison you. And God cannot bless you in this state. But I know plenty of people that try to live in this place and just be angry and mad at God. You cannot have peace living in this condition. What do we need to do? Cease and forsake. Stop and abandon our anger. We find peace when we trust God enough to allow Him to do His will. Number 7 in verse 27. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. Two simple commands that guide us. <laughs> Another one of these. This is so simple on paper. Like, oh yeah, I can do that. You try to live this and it seems like it's impossible. Do not do evil. In fact, run from it. Depart. Get away from it. When I was, um, oh goodness, I was probably about 12 or so. After church one night, uh, Sunday night, pretty sure it was, 
we were in the back parking lot of the church uh, there at Emmanuel, and uh, I was playing with some friends, and we always go back and play basketball and tag and stuff like that. Well, we're back there, and as uh, we're playing, all of a sudden we look up, and there's a skunk in the parking lot. Well, what do you do when you see a skunk? Well, I, safe distance. I mean, I could be here to those doors and say, it can't get me, you know, well, fine, we'll let bygones be bygones, and we can coexist as long as you're there. You know what? I did like a smart person do. I skedaddled as fast as I could in the opposite way. I wanted a zip code between me and that in that skunk. I wanted to be far away from that skunk. By the way, I fell down, ripped the big ripped the knees out of my pants, and it was a. But anyway, I didn't. It wasn't just that I didn't want to pet the skunk. My mom's done that before on our front porch. <clears throat> she thought it was a cat. You remember that? Don does it too. Okay, so. Uh, it's not that I just don't want to pet it or I want to be a safe distance from it. It's I want to be so far away from it, I don't have to worry about that thing sneaking up and, and spraying me. That's what it means to depart from evil. Not just have it in the room or safe distance, but to get as far away from it as I can. That's the way I feel about spiders, especially. It's not enough just to depart from evil. We also have to do what is good. James 4.17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Sometimes we are like, well, God, what do you want me to do? And we, we expect a great big billboard in the sky. We expect an angel to show up at our doorstep and say, Thus saith the Lord. The, the bottom line is, you want to say, how should I live? Here is your answer. Is it good? Does it honor God? then do it. If is it good? Does it honor God? Then do it. By the way, these two ideas, departing from evil, pursuing good, these are two halves of a whole. You cannot do one without the other. A lot of people try to do good with hanging on to the evil. Some people just want to run away from evil, but they don't have a direction that they're going to for good. You have to have both of these. You cannot separate those two. We find peace when we model the holiness of God forsaking evil and embracing good. The eighth thing, thought I'd never get here, but the eighth thing. Verse number 34. Wait on the Lord and keep His way, and He shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Wait and keep. The word wait here is different from the word that's used up in verse number 7 for wait. It's interesting. In fact, this is one of my favorite Hebrew words I've ever studied. It's the Hebrew word kava. It's one of the few I can ever remember how to say. It's kava. And it doesn't mean to stop moving. That's what we saw before was the idea of stop moving. Just sit still, be quiet, and let God act. That's not what this means. This word actually means, the idea of this word literally is to sit there and braid a rope. To take the strands and the fibers. and It's very tedious work. I've seen uh, uh, videos before like on 8 Country Reporter and some of those things where uh, you know these guys make the cowboy ropes and things. It's not something you do a lot of jumping up and down with. This is, this is, this is fairly peaceful, quiet work that, you're, that you are, are sitting there and you're doing. 
And um, that, that's the idea of this. By the way, it's the same word that's used in Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's the same word. It, it doesn't just mean, I think, to wait in the sense of I'm not moving, I'm not talking. I think this has the idea of I'm getting ready. I'm preparing. I'm getting ready. So when God says it's time to move, my heart is right. I've honed my abilities. I have put things in place so I'm ready to go. It's like saying, God, I'm waiting for you to move, and when you do, I'll be ready. How is this done? It's by keeping his way. This is not like keeping like a, I can keep something special to me. You may put a safe in your house, you know, hide it behind a painting like they're doing all the TV shows. You know, you have a safe in there and you, you keep it in there. Like, oh, it's safe. I've got it kept. I keep it in my safe. That's not the idea here. The word keep, this is more like and the, the, the word I thought of that, that, that keeps the idea here is groundskeeping. What does a groundskeeper do for, you know, well, the rangers don't have any more because it's fake grass, but by the way, I wore my ranger style, see? Uh, but the idea here, a groundskeeper doesn't just keep the ground safe. They work it. They water it. They fertilize it. They plant it. They, they, they keep the ground in good condition. That's what this word means. You're supposed to keep something, work it, live it, make sure it's in good shape. What is that? His way, the way of life that God has prescribed for every believer. By the way, you think about, I thought I was supposed to wait. This is a lot of action for waiting. <laughs> he's saying, live the Christian life. Live the Christian life. That's what he's saying. All these things to say, well, God, what am I supposed to do? I, I, especially like Bible calls things, people say, well, I don't know what God's called me to do. I'll tell you what God's called you to do. He's called you to go to church. He's called, called you to raise a family. He's called you to be a good citizen. He's called. I can tell you a lot of things God has called you to do. It's pretty simple. There is His way that we should follow. We prepare for God to guide us. We live according to His commands. We find peace when we follow the paths that God prepares for us. As musicians come, I've got three things in conclusion here. First, I ask, how peaceful is your heart this morning? So, well, mine's perfectly at peace. Oh, well, now we're lying. So, <laughs> every one of us, this is a safe space, okay? We can be honest. All of us have got burdens. All of us have got worries. We're all human. None of us have perfect peace. We all have something in our hearts we need to deal with before God so we can find greater peace. By the way, it's amazing. God usually, we usually know. We usually know. I'm just saying, we usually know what we need to work on. Second is, what are you carrying this morning that hinders peace? I like that idea. It talked about the rolling of a burden, giving it to God. Do you have a burden? words of the old song, take it to the Lord and leave it there. Give it to Him. Why are you carrying that around? Let God handle it. You have anger. We talked a little bit about that in the sermon. 
give the vengeance to God. Seek to love your neighbor. You have a past. I thought about this. I said, well, God, I, I can't do something. God, I, I can't have peace because this happened. You don't know what happened in my past. I, I don't have to. God does. Let me tell you this. God is an expert in restoring and healing. God can help you overcome a past. There's no past he can't overcome. And the third thing I want to ask is, have you found true peace? There's only one source for peace, and it is in Christ. Romans 1, or 5, 1 and 2. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by faith, that's our, our putting our faith in God. This is salvation. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into His grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. True peace doesn't come in finding your center, doesn't come in finding the perfect place and job and situation. Perfect peace doesn't mean just giving up and letting whatever happen. Perfect peace only comes from the Prince of Peace, the God of Peace. And the peace we seek in our hearts can only be found in Him. And it starts with our faith in Him. That's where the first steps to true peace come. And then once we have that, the psalm talks about the steps of a good man. Now we have a way that we walk. And in that way, we can have peace in the midst of trouble. These ideas to help find peace in our hearts in the middle of a crazy, crazy world. We'll stand by the time of the invitation. What number there, Owen? 120 in the heavenly highways. 120 in the heavenly highways. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this is a lot of stuff to unpack in this. This is honestly make a great series. I'd spend a lot more time on some of this. But Lord, so much profound truth in this psalm. So much practical aid and help. Lord, as reading some of this, it's a mirror to our own souls, our own concerns and I'm thankful that in this you've given us plenty of directions that we can find peace in our hearts through following you, through serving you. Lord, we pray that you just take these simple truths. A lot of things covered here this morning, I know, but I'm sure something in here every one of us can put into practice in our hearts. Thank you for the, the wonders of your word. Thank you for being a wonderful God who gives us the direction and tells us the best way to live. Lord, help us to have the faith, the confidence, and the strength and the bravery to just follow through and live that way. Thank you for this message, Lord. I pray you just drive it home in our hearts in this invitation period I pray. I pray in that holy name. Amen.